I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program. Welcome everyone to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Johnny Android, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. That means you, Anne-Marie. We record episodes live at Allspace every week, and you can join us from your PC or VR headset. Just log into Allspace, join our Simulation Nation channel, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Today, we have a pick from Futurosity. Futurosity, uh, if you don't know, has been informally picking our, some of our past movies like Source Code and Terminator 2, as well as books like Snow Crash. Uh, but we now have given these recurring episodes their own official title, Futurosity's Flicks and Picks. <laughs> so, Yay. yeah, for the first uh, official selection, we have Surrogates from 2009. Surrogates centers on the mysterious murder of a college student linked to the man who helped create high-tech surrogates, remote-controlled humanoid robots, through which they interact with society. An FBI agent, played by Bruce Willis, is sent out to solve the case. Here to help us navigate in avatar form is the most futuristic Men in all the metaverse, Futurosity himself. That's you. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I, I, I just enjoyed bringing up these picks because we've been influenced so much over the last couple of years by technology. And the fact that pop culture is starting to become a reality in the last decade just makes it even more fascinating and fun. So every week or so when I bring up a fun pick, just remember, it's something that was influential and we see it happening right now. That's a special thing about these picks. Yeah, absolutely. And like a, a lot of times it has to do with virtual reality. Sometimes it has to do with cyberpunks, which is sort of like virtual reality adjacent. Maybe there's an augmented reality. You know, Terminator had his augmented reality vision and he had his cybernetic body. And today, I think they even called the, the, the company today virtual self-industry. So even though it's technically not virtual reality specifically, it... It involves that field in some way as well, probably. Exactly. And the concept of telepresence, you could be anywhere, either physically or digitally, just like how we have VR, we could be anywhere virtually. Well, now we have telepresence in the form of robots. So it kind of still follows that similar theme. Yeah, absolutely. So if any of you guys, uh, how's it going, Cordelius? Good to see you again, or Anne-Marie, or Hero, or anyone. If anyone has any questions, use the raise hand option or comments. If you have opinions about surrogates, uh, we definitely want to hear them. Uh, we'd love to get as many opinions as possible. That just makes for, for a more fun episode. So uh, please don't be shy to use the raise hand option. All right. So overall thoughts. Uh, why don't you, why don't you kick it off? Uh, uh, it was your choice. So, um, by the way, had you seen this movie before or was this the first time? Oh yes, I've seen it before. And I also read the first five issues of the miniseries ah. it's based off of. Um, the surrogates was a comic book published by top cow publications, um, by image comics. And it was, um, Robert Vendetti, um, who was the writer and it was, um, Brett Weldel, um, who was the artist. And I see a lot of those influences from the original work that was adapted into the film version. That's what kind of got me into it. In the got start. it. And so what are your uh, overall thoughts of the movie? How did they think they adapted it? I think they did a great job. I mean, when it comes to adaptations in general, they're always going to cut a lot of content. But the gist and the overall vibe of the original comics I think he did a great job translating it to film. And the director, Jonathan Mostow, I think this was his film after he did Terminator 3. Mm -hmm. So this was kind of his you know, return to you know, cybernetics and you know, futurism. This is more of that 
future not too far from now. This is maybe 30 years from our current date. So it's a glimpse into the near future, but it's very much what we're kind of living in right now. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, absolutely. Like the fact that yeah, um, everyone is sort of uh, self quarantined. I thought would have been interesting. So I I'm going to tell you my here's my overall thought. Maybe we'll have an interesting episode because there's some this movie I didn't I didn't love. Right. So I th for me the overall problem I had with it is the premise, and I feel like the idea that in the future, in the not so distant future, we will all have these incredibly high tech robots that are planted into our neurons and we're lying in our house and we've got all these robots running around doing our bidding for us. I was like, I don't, I just don't get that premise. Like, I don't quite understand uh, what that issue is dealing with or what it's solving. And so it was really hard for me to overcome the suspension of disbelief and to believe that this is a world that would exist. I feel like for me, like the best sci-fi takes a problem in the present day, which would have been 2009 when this movie was made. And then it kind of extrapolates it into the future thinking like, okay, if this became a problem for the next 30 years, in 30 years, this is what it would look like. And here's a potential solution. But I'm not sure what this movie kind of does. Cordelius is giving me a little uh, uh, heart emoji as well. I'm not sure what this movie is trying to say about the present in 2009. I'm not sure what it's trying to say about the future. It's just kind of like an interesting, cool conceit. And then they just kind of have this action flick around this cool conceit. But for me, I just never got on board with that conceit. And so that was a bit of a, a barrier uh, to entry for me. And so that's sort of like the TLDR of my, of my take here. A lot of cool stuff, great visuals. I think I would have appreciated much more with the comic books. And I feel like it has, I feel like the idea of the surrogate has a bit of a comic book logic to it. Like it, it, it works on the, uh, on the page, but when you try to translate it into three dimensional people with real actors playing them and you put it in the real world, it's like, wait, what? This would never happen. This is like preposterous. So that's sort of my take on that. I do agree, because when you think of it, good sci-fi always has a catalyst for, you know, the technology that's being used. And there wasn't really a catalyst. It was more about people's vanity. And, you know, essentially the surrogates were used for people with disabilities to help them experience life right. to the fullest physically. But unfortunately, it ended up becoming a commercial product that people are using for vanity purposes. You get to live a life as a model or as an athlete do anything you want without consequences. Essentially, every day is like living in Las Vegas, essentially. But there wasn't a catalyst in a story that pushed that technology forward. I mean, now we can retroactively say, oh, maybe there was a pandemic right. that kept everyone at home. Yep. Because they mentioned, oh, you know, their communicable diseases have gone down, right. et cetera. Crime has gone down. But they didn't really say, hey, crime or disease was the reason why people use this technology. Exactly. That was the one thing that was missing that could have been solved in only a couple lines of dialogue, just explaining, hey, this is why we feel the need to use this all the time, beyond just shallow desire to always be forever youthful and beautiful. Yep. No, ex that's exactly my take. It's like, okay, if there was a nuclear fallout and they had to quarantine in these tanks and you had to, and you wanted to go still explore the world, to makes total sense. If there's a virus, makes total sense, right? If the, if you're handicapped or if you have, uh, there was some genetic 
defect that happened in the future because of you know the water was bad quality and everyone was mutated and couldn't walk anymore. I totally get it, right? For all of those reasons, it would have totally made sense. And you're right. There was a little montage at the beginning that explained the history of surrogates and how it came to be. If they had just plunked that in there a little bit, it would have been all all the all the better for me because it's like i kept thinking like how expensive would it be that everyone has these like insanely multi you know like talk about what was it the in the 70s the three million dollar van or whatever it was these would be like a billion dollar machines <laughs> like how much you know how the heck would this and it's like there's nothing wrong with these people so like is there do they not just want to go out and experience life and smell the roses in their own body anymore like are they that lazy that they're just want to like lie in bed i don't know um but you know even if even even if they didn't give us that but they gave us a real strong reason why wanted you could be a superhero like and they showed us examples of like how you could do incredible things or you could fly or you could i don't know have a super brain or that might have even done it for me but like but then, but but the, the best that we saw was that they get to stay young and beautiful, and they get to like uh, uh, try to crowd surf in a club and like like hit their nose on the ground. It's like, dude, this is the best they could do with their imagination. They've got these super robots, and they're just trying to crowd surf. So I don't know. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah. Same thing goes for the military use of these synthetic, you know, people. Essentially, okay, the military has endless soldiers. So you just if you're a you know, robot right. dies or explodes, you jump into another yeah. one. But how does that really change the situation with the conflict? It's like, so you just, whoever has the most robots wins, you know, like as more disposable bots. So they, they missed that, 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 you know, there wasn't enough teeth to it o overall. It's like, you want to bite into the future. You want to get a good idea of this world. But that montage, I think it actually did the movie wrong in mm. many ways because it summed up so many elements of the movie that, Maybe we didn't even need the opening montage. We could just saw the world as it is and just like any other mystery, learn how the world is built as it occurs. That could have saved us some energy because I think the montage, it's always a cheat, you know, when you use news footage. Now, I mean, there's ways around it. I mean, RoboCop, they use commercials to kind of set the tone of the world. But this was essentially, hey, we're going to give you the gist of the story in the first five minutes. And if you accept it, You'll go along with right. it. If you don't, you get right. lost. And there could have been, there, there could, you know, just going off of what you're saying. I mean, I love the idea. It's almost like drone warfare, right? And I believe that that's that's they, that's why they say that there's never going to be another uh, war fought with humans because we're just going to send drones in, and these are like super high tech drones, essentially, right? Uh, so the question sort of then becomes, well, you know, if if there was people using it for violence, that could have been an interesting plot. Like if. People now, because they have these surrogates, they can just be like uh, what used to be um, uh, bombers, like go in and like blow themselves up. And then that's like, it, but they don't care. They don't die. They just reboot and they and they have another robot. That would be interesting. And then maybe the police force needed surrogates because they don't want to put themselves in danger. So the Bruce Willis character could have been a robot. That would have all, all made sense. Um, but yeah, the fact that an everyday person would choose to do this over going out uh, on in their own uh, was was the was the big hanging point for me. But you, you're totally right. That montage and the setup of the world was, I think, the bigger issue. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And also, when you think of the crime rate, that was the thing you mentioned. By human beings using these devices, the crime rate would drop. What aspect of human you know nature 
would change. You know, if people had those devices, they would still commit the same crimes they they'd done before. You know, there'd still be robberies. There might not be murders per se, but there would still be, you know, many different kinds of crimes. Right. But they said, nope, crime is over 99% safer and happier, allegedly. Right. They really buy right. it. And if you're, it also, you know, if you're, uh, and I'm just rambling now, but uh, <laughs> Ocus or Cornelius, if you guys have op <laughs> overall thoughts, let us know. But um, I, I also think like if the technology is so advanced that we've got this neural net with this robot that we can control to such a degree that it almost feels like we're out in the world with this robot, then can't they get a better plastic surgery or fix aging so that like if people are worried about being too old and they want to get a younger robot, I mean, that technology must have advanced too. Like, you know, like I, I always have a problem with these these high-tech films where one part of the technology is like so is advanced, like a, it's like 200 years in the future. And then the other parts of technology are like present day, like nothing went up, nothing accelerated along with that whole process. But anyway, um, all right, well, let's, let's dive into the plot. Um, the plot is, it, you know, it has some twists and turns as you would expect from this type of movie. Um, uh, did you want to give your, your try at, at summing it up? Oh, sure. Um, essentially, they set up the world as a near future world in which people control these surrogate robots from the privacy of their own home. And it starts off with the first murder in a long period of time. The movie is based in San Diego around 2050 or so. Well, unfortunately, the victim of that first murder is actually the son of the creator of these surrogates, which ultimately pushes FBI agent, played by Bruce Willis, to try to investigate this murder. There's, at this time, there's actually a separation between people who are pro-surrogate and the people who are against the surrogates. Um, these humans are against surrogacy. They're called the dreads, essentially run by a prophet of sorts, uh, you know, played by Ving Rhames. Well, they're segregated in their own little society that's only humans. So essentially, the investigation of this device that somehow killed a, re a real-life human being and its surrogate pretty much causes a panic. Essentially, this is the most valuable weapon ever created because if it can bypass all these safety mechanisms that are built into these surrogates and actually kill the user and the actual robot, it's a world-changing event. So essentially, Bruce Willis's FBI agent goes through the investigation to figure out, all right, who actually did this and why? And ultimately, you discover that there's a multiple, you know, a wide-ranging conspiracy, essentially, that is trying to destroy the current society of surrogates. And that first murder, all connected to it. I don't want to get into spoilers just yet, but I guess we'll kind of go through, you know, the actual unraveling of the mystery. But that's essentially the setup. The first murder, a long time, and they want to figure out how is it possible that a human being can die when their surrogate dies? Because essentially it defeats the entire purpose of this technology. Yeah, no, that's a really great, uh, a great explanation, um, and it, it it very much sets it up. The one thing I did like about the opening scene is that uh, we have this guy going into the club. We know he's borrowed his dad's surrogate, so we know that he is in a, a dorm room somewhere, you know, and I guess it's like USC, it felt like, or something like that. And then he's going off to a club, and then he meets this very sultry, hot woman in the, woman in the club who's got this, you know, mini skirt and I don't know, fishnet stockings or she's doing and they go and they make out in the alley and then he gets zapped uh by this gun 
Um, and this gun um, kills not only the surrogate, but also zaps back through the circuitry into his brain and fries him in real life. But the thing that they reveal is that this hot, sultry woman at this club, when you go to uh, the person in the real world, it's actually this sort of like overweight guy who's like lying in his like bat of whatever goo or, you know, I don't know, his chair is like gamer chair. Whatever. I thought that was kind of neat. It's like this, this movie touched on so many interesting ideas. And it, I think at that time it was pretty ahead of it in some ways and then it just kind of like floundered it didn't really deal with them in an interesting way it was more interested in the action sequences than it was maybe the ideas but i thought that was interesting for the opening setup yeah it set the stage very nicely because you think of it anyone could be within these bodies there's no way you could actually trust another surrogate if you realize that they could be anyone you know appearances no longer mean anything because appearances are only on the surface um, so that essentially kind of reflects real life. I mean, even now, you know, our avatars, not all of our avatars look like our human bodies. You know, we choose how we want to present ourselves within this virtual world. Same thing within the world of the movie, that you could be anything you want to be, and hey, people are going to accept it as is, because you'll never see the user. Essentially, the users were just in their pajamas and locked up inside their homes, just like we are today. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, it, I, you know, I, I really hope that Cornelius is as blue as he is in real life and has purple hair. That would be super dope. Um, how's it going, Enzo Matrix and Rami and uh, and uh, Acevedo's killing it? Uh, nice to see you, Mojo. Everybody here. So if you guys have any thoughts on the movie Surrogates, uh, please use the raise hand option and and let us know. Um, so then the other, uh, the next sort of interesting aspect that I thought was was pretty cool was the Ving Rhame stuff. So I guess, you know, we're going to, we're sort of jumping, uh, jumping ahead to the character a little bit, but I thought I, first of all, it was so great to see him. What happened to Ving Rhames? Is he's like, why do we not see him uh, more than we do? He's such a great actor. He's always so fun to watch. And I guess this was like, would you know, do you know what happened to him? Well, he does mission impossible every couple right. of years, but that's pretty much the only thing I've seen him in recently. Yeah. Yeah, it's always hard when we're at that point where some of your favorite actors are kind of getting close to retiring right. or resting on their laurels because, you know, they're really well for a couple of years, you know, back to back movies. So, hey, it's going to retire. Right. That could be. Um, yeah. So this so this I guess the 90s and thousands was the uh, was sort of his heyday. But um, he is the the dread leader known as like the, the prophet. Thought he was an interesting character. Uh, he's sort of anti robot, anti tech. And he's got this sort of cult of people that are trying to wipe out all the surrogates and get back to basics and, you know, green grass and nature and all of that kind of stuff. And of course, we are going to be giving spoilers here so so Rami, i'm looking at you if you don't want to if you haven't seen surrogates go watch it uh if you're listening to the podcast uh you know pause it and go watch it but um he turns out to be uh a surrogate which i thought was a good twist he's he's the most fun character that i that i had he goes from this prophet uh dread uh leader of a cult to uh being a total uh, uh, revelation that he is actually one of the surrogates and is a robot who is not only controlled by just anybody, but is controlled by the very man who invented the surrogates. So the the big the big guy uh, in the middle of it all. So that was pretty cool. I, that was a fun twist. I mean, essentially, you know, it's a Frankenstein's monster situation. You know, the creator of these surrogates realized the world that has been built upon his technology. It's not the world he wants to live in anymore. So essentially, he's kind of controlled opposition of sorts, you know, by using multiple surrogates, 
and living these artificial lives, he's trying to convince others to break down the system. And essentially, even though he's been fired from the company, you know, VSI, the virtual self, um, you know, industries company, um, you know, he's been fired from it. He wants to take it down from, you know, from the outside. So I love that concept. He's like, oh, I've created a monster. I must destroy it by any means necessary. Unfortunately, that propels him to create a situation in which his own son dies, fortunately, by using one of his own surrogates. I think that's the nice thing about that, that little loop of sorts, where essentially, hey, my son's going to borrow one of my surrogates so he can enjoy life and have a good night out. And he ultimately died because the father was the target all along. That's a nice little full circle. Essentially, you created a monster, you try to solve it on your own, the worst means possible and look what happened absolutely and i guess the technology that was used to fry the mechanics of the surrogates was actually invented by the company as well in order as a fail safe uh for the government i guess but then it was so um powerful in the sense that it would fry the brains of the user that they immediately discontinued it but it kind of sneaked out into the black market and then this is how these people were trying to shut them down um and i was wondering you know we did snow crash a couple weeks ago and this kind of reminded me of that right where you have um a virus that you can get infected in the metaverse and it will actually infect your meat space body out in the real world and that was something similar here do you think that there was any kind of connection there or, or was it a coincidence there had to be some kind of influence because I mean, Snow Crash, just do the, the time and date of the release of the project. I mean, Snow Crash has been out since 92. This was the comic was around 2005 or so, and the movie was around 2009. I, I doubt there, they had to have been influenced in some capacity because the concept of, you know, a virtual drug or a virtual thing, you know, actually impacting your real life, that was one of the earliest uses of that kind of trope. So I, I definitely think it might have been inspired yeah. by, I wouldn't say copied mild inspiration yeah. there there is a case to be made that it could be a coincidence because if you are the writer of this movie you want to create real world stakes and so you can't just have the robots being killed or else there's like what's the stakes in that so you do need to have real world consequences same problem they had in the matrix where it's like if you die in the matrix you die in the real world it's like well really i don't know okay i guess you say so but <laughs> uh, but you know there was another it reminded me of this book called flicker that uh, was also came out in the 90s that Darren Aronofsky was attached to direct for a long time. And it's about a movie that when you watch the movie, you get infected with this virus from the movie. So that idea, I think, has been rolling around for, for quite some time. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll never know. I, it would be interesting to know the, the comic book artists would be the ones to, to find out, I guess, because they would have been the ones to create that idea. Um, in any case, so, um, okay, so before we... Uh, before we move on uh, past the plot, the, uh, I wanted to jump to the ending. Is there anything in the in the middle area that you wanted to cover in terms of the plot? Well, uh, of course, you know, the ultimate conspiracy. Remember the FBI, the head of the FBI of the local bureau, um, you know, Stone, who right. was, um, you know, that was essentially the, one of the main catalysts for all of the violence and the entire conspiracy. Essentially, the company, VSI, use their influences and money to have the FBI to assassinate the creator of the actual technology. But unfortunately, since his son was inhabiting a borrowed body, the assassin killed the wrong person. So that was a nice thing where you realize, oh, it's not only just a, you know, a broader conspiracy. You know, we have layers of conspiracy. Essentially, right. you have two different forces using proxies to fight a war. 
essentially the profit is a proxy by the creator of the surrogates and BSI, the company that produces them, is using the FBI agent and their resources to take down the creator. So it's kind of this you know, back and forth. It's like a spy versus spy situation right. where two forces are working and using outside forces to take down each other. So that, I thought it was a fascinating secondary twist. Right. Yeah. So the, the final twist, and again, here's the big spoiler, guys. So if you, <laughs> if you haven't seen how about Linda, hopefully you've uh, seen surrogates already uh, or Brit G back there. Um, but uh, for me, the big twist at the end, I, I don't, I, I, I can't explain it. Maybe you could explain it. Or maybe someone else can, out there can explain it. So it's revealed that Cantor, who created the surrogates, is trying to take down his own company. But the part that I have a problem with is like, not only does he want to kill all the surrogates, but he wants to kill everybody who's using a surrogate. I'm like, what? Like, what? what do, why? <laughs> you take a guy who's like supposedly trying to do something good, but then there's no logic or reason why he needs to kill a billion people on earth who are using his product and in the end bruce willis is just like eh, i guess i just won't kill everyone and then the movie's over it's like what like why did the why did <laughs> Cantor just do that to begin with why did he just say okay i'm killing all the surrogates and like everyone can live go about your merry way like uh, is there a, did i miss something is there like an explanation as to why he didn't make that choice See, that's my issue with a lot of movies. Everything has to be a world-spanning special event. Right. It's always the end of the world. It can't just be focused on a small group. For me, stakes don't need to actually be a world-ending event. It could be something as simple as, hey, everyone in San Diego you know, dies. Everyone within a small section of the city could die. To make it the entire planet, I mean, when did he become megalomaniacal and decide that I'm going to do mass murder? That, that was another leap for the character. Yeah. I mean, he's disgruntled that he's been fired from the company he created. Right. And he's upset about his technology being used for you know vanity purposes. But how did he make that leap to wanting to kill billions? <laughs> that was never explained. <laughs> never explained. He wants, to, he wants to stop these machines because they killed his son, and yet a billion people <laughs> dying is no problem uh, <laughs> all right all right all right james Cromwell. anyways the acting was great that he got he got the really great cast here it should also be mentioned that ving rames and bruce willis this is the first time they were together since like pulp fiction in the mid 90s so that was kind of cool to see them together again um cromwell uh uh radha uh mitchell radha you don't see her nearly enough early appearance by rosamund pike so incredible cast um uh, I feel like though this was this was Jonathan Mostow's last big like swing at the fences, uh, and after two sort of middling failures, Rise of the Machines, Terminator Three, and this one, he kind of didn't get those A-list stars again, maybe. Um, but this was this was a great cast. But apparently, also though, Bruce Willis was was so unhappy with the movie that he refused to do uh, new lines of dialogue in the edit. And so they hired an actor who could sound like Bruce Willis to do the line. It's crazy. I guess that's the period where Bruce Willis had a big attitude. He's a little more calm now, or so what they say. I don't know. Maybe maybe Kanuri knows for sure, but uh, yeah. And talk about typecasting. You know, James Cromwell, remember, he played the creator of the robots in iRobot, um, which is also kind oh, of fun. Yeah. So it's like iRobot, I think that was around Will Smith movie around 2004, mm -hmm. based on, you know, famous Isaac Asimov book. Mm -hmm. And it suddenly... Oh, he's playing the same guy, literally. I created robots that I'm upset about creating and ultimately die for my own creations of sorts. Right. So it's kind of funny how even the actors kind of go in full circle in multiple roles that are very, very similar. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, uh, that's that's it's very interesting. So yeah, I don't. I, let me think here. If we had any others, no. I got the tech up coming up next. So the tech is we sort of talked about it a little bit. Um, you know, you've got the, the the surrogates is the big aspect of the tech. I, I kind of loved this scene here that I've got. Uh, if anyone is listening to the podcast, you can see this either on YouTube or uh, on uh, Instagram with the Simulation Nation. We've got this picture of this uh, beauty parlor, but a beauty parlor in the future is like basically a mechanic shop for, for robot beauty. Uh Kind of crazy. You know, I feel like this movie maybe could have worked better with a little more not taking itself so seriously because there was like some fun stuff and like the look was so poppy and colorful. And yet it it kind of took itself so seriously that it, it didn't allow me to laugh at its sort of uh, flaws in the logic of the plot and made me get hang, hung up on things instead of just having fun with it. But this was a fun scene and these are uh, fun ideas. And also the use of makeup. Remember, with these surrogates, they're supposed to be the perfect you. Right. So remember, with Bruce Willis, the funniest part about it is we all know Bruce Willis has been bald for at least 30 right. years. And the first time we see him, you know, he has this little you know, blonde hair and, you know, he's looking super smooth, you know, like not a single pore on his face. So I, it's kind of funny when you realize, hey, if they played it with a little more, you know, a little more comic, com comedic value, it kind of would have been funnier in a way. It would have been a little more entertaining. If you kind of realize, hey, it is kind of absurd. We all know what Bruce Willis looks like, but now he looks like a Ken doll. Right. Um, it seems like if they added a little more humor, a little wink, wink, I think it would have added to the enjoyability. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, and so I don't know. Is there anything else in the tech that you, that struck you as something uh, noteworthy? Um, for me, it was just like everything, like they, they still had flip phones. They were still using flip phones. And yet they had the most incredible robot technology known to be like, it has to, it would have to be like 300 years in the future. And yet like they still had flip phones that were getting caught in traffic. It's like, what? Like, <laughs> you know, you accelerate all the tech. That's another issue. Why would you drive? Right. You know, like going from point A to point B, if you have a surrogate, why wouldn't you just have a surrogate for work use? You know, you just jump into the body at work. And then, hey, have one for social use. Jump into that one. It did seem kind of odd how everyone just had a single surrogate that they used full time versus just, you know, telepresence. It's like, why aren't you working overseas? You know, if I want to work in Germany, hey, there'll be a surrogate for me to jump into. And I just operate it as I see yeah. fit. It did seem kind of weird where people are essentially living 100% normal lives right. in their own hometown and driving and et cetera with their surrogate when there could have been more advanced uses of it. Um, I guess for the sake of the plot, they didn't get too far into it, but it seemed like a missing feature. Yeah, me. and and not to not to harp on this point, but okay, we've got our main characters are a cop and a beautician. How on earth are they affording <laughs> these insanely awesome robots that with a neural link in their brain? Like what? Like that's the kind of thing that works great in comics. And you know, it was interesting. I looked at a little bit at the comic art, and it looks so expressionistic and cool. I feel like it's like this world, this movie needed to be a little bit more otherworldly in in its tone in order for the that logic to stick. Like you can get away with that kind of stuff with an expressionistic artistic comic, but like I said, when you put it into real people, it's it's a little more difficult. Uh, but I don't know. Are there fans out here? Anyone? Anyone has any opinions on surrogates? Uh, Hack Ebony, you look. Maybe you maybe you saw the movie or uh, Melinda Thorne or anyone. Anyone have any opinion on it? Um, because uh, you know, I, I've you know, I think we've I think we've I've sort of said a lot of it uh, so far. What I'm thinking, but let's get to the point. I guess this is uh, really uh, the end here, uh, which is uh, what are they trying to say? So I'm very curious to, to know. Do you have an opinion on what they're trying to say here? 
well, you ever watch a movie and you kind of have a funny feeling when you realize, is the villain right? <laughs> That's what this movie kind of felt like. Mm. You, when you sympathize too much with the, with the actual bad guy, and I'm like, you know what, that is kind of a good point. I don't know if that's a good feeling, or maybe that means he is a good version of that kind of character. I'm not sure. But overall, I felt like, hey, the point is, human beings, we want to live through experience, we want to connect with each other, we want to experience the world on a physical plane, instead of having all these barriers in front of us, essentially through technology. I mean, especially now, you know, you, you'll be sitting in front of someone having dinner, and they're on their phone. There's a digital barrier between two people. So I do see that point where they say, hey, we want to have a more naturalistic connection with others. We don't want to have these layers of vanity-based technology in the way. I think of the surrogates almost like how people use all these different filters for photos mm -hmm. online. We realize, what do you even look like? You have no pores. Like human beings have mm -hmm. pores. There's nothing wrong with that. But unfortunately, because of our beauty industry and kind of how they project this artificiality of how humans should look, we use filters. And once again, it's another digital layer that disconnects us from each other. So I do see the point of the movie as, hey, humanity needs to kind of go back to the basics, connect once yeah. again. Nope, that's said very well. I mean, before I uh, give you uh, my thoughts on the point here, we have a Druber. All it shows me is Druber. Where are you? Where are you, Druber? There you are. Any thoughts on surrogates? I'm on You're on the air. Should I come on up? Uh, we uh, we got a stage blocker. Just you could just ask it there if you want, or or have your opinion there. So you mean like, <clears throat> if I'm not really who I am now, then who am I then when I am not who I am? If I'm in a universe that's not really the one I'm supposed to be in. That's very deep and very. That's very true. <laughs> it uh, sounds like a uh, yeah. marijuana induced conundrum. Uh, where, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, that's really, uh, I think it is true. That is seemed to be what the movie's about, you know, but, you know, talking about different metaphors, um, I think that, um, you know, the fact that we are these avatars and when you are in, you know, I just saw the movie, um, we met in VR and by the way, has anyone here seen the movie we met in VR? Uh, it just released at Sundance. It was all taken place shot inside VR chat all about people living their lives as avatars in VR chat and falling in love and all of this stuff. And it's a really, really beautiful documentary. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, and it sort of touches on this where it's like, we're not, they're not even human anymore. Some people are squirrel beings. Some people are, you know, garden gnomes. Some people are anime characters and it really <laughs> shows the, um, the level and, and difference of expression. Um, and for me, that metaphor works a little bit more because I, I think that is a future that I can foresee happening. So it takes an idea, a problem today, uh, which is that we are now getting immersed in these virtual and, and magical and fantastical worlds. And I could see 30 years from now, a Ready Player One world where it's a dystopia outside and we all escape into our little happy boxes and live our, our lives in there and don't want to go back to the real world. That's a metaphor that resonates with me more today than thinking that I'm going to be walking around as a robot in the future. So that's uh, one that works a little bit less. Um, all right, Druber. No, I agree yeah. with that. Druber has uh, one, more, one more thought here. What's up, Druber? Yeah, so like, <clears throat> if I can perceive this universe, right? And a cricket can't. Only humans can. 
we can perceive the other one that's not this one, our normal one. And how the hell do you know that that normal one's not one of these? It's better. Absolutely. Well, isn't that... Yeah, yeah. Oops. Uh, sorry, I cut you off there. What were you saying? Well, that's almost like the stacking dolls concept of reality. You know, it's like you see different layers of reality, and depending on which one you're in, that's how you see it. Um, in many ways, from what he just said, I was just thinking about just our perspective of the universe. You know, the entire universe is expanding at a rapid rate, universally in all directions. Essentially, if I was in one end of the universe and I look at one object, it may be vastly different. Like they may not see the same stars, for example. You know, there might be more blackness, there might be less of this. So yeah, reality is not the beholder. You know, our universal map that we have now few thousand years from now is going to be vastly different we're going to see less essentially as more time progresses yeah so even a billion years from now literally the stars that we see won't exist most will be blown away um will be too far for the light to even travel to us anymore so i understand that concept it's like stacking dolls effect you know our reality is based on what we can currently experience and yeah. see and we can't really you know, judge it either way we just say hey it is what it is this is as we see the world you know, everything is changing around yeah. us. So I, I could kind of yeah, say Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that, was that Chinese philosopher, Wan Shi, uh, who said that he didn't know if he was a butterfly dreaming he was a man or a man dreaming he was a butterfly. So because he has this beautiful dream of a butterfly and he's like, well, which is the real me? Uh, so sort of, sort of that idea too, where it's like, well, are we in a simulation, in a simulation? You know, it's kind of uh, an endless, uh, inter endless, interesting uh, debate and discussion for sure. Um, as far as uh, as far as surrogates go, yeah, I, the one the one that I did resonate with is the anti-robot stance. That's I, I feel like in the last fifteen years, that's been used quite a bit. We got um, you know Westworld, and um, I mean I can't even name all the different movies where robots are the enemy. Um, Ex Machina was one of my favorite ones recently, I guess in the last five years, uh, did a great job of that. And you don't know that the, the, the robot is bad. They just have their own perspective on things and they want to be free and all of that. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting and resonant theme that they were dealing with. I'm glad you brought up AI because there was no mention of AI in the entire movie. Mm. It was always these surrogates were always controlled by humans. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those another one of those issues of some sci-fi where all the only one specific technology advances and everything stays the same. It's 2050 and all the cars look like they're from 2008. Right. You know, same thing. You kind of realize, hey, uh, that element's missing. There's no mention of AI. There's not a single you know, self-operating right. you know, right. surrogate out right. there. And that, that seemed like an, another auto mission, yeah. you know, so it's kind of like it's all humanity's disconnection from each other but there are other elements that definitely got to kind of dig into a little bit more to make the world feel a little more fleshed out yeah yeah no absolutely um yeah okay cool well um i guess then uh what we get to is wow 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 it's wow time well, score time. All right. We want everyone's opinion here. You guys, <laughs> that's right, Drooper. Uh, 10 wows is like, this is the greatest movie you've ever seen. One wow is like, what the hell did I just waste 90 minutes of my life doing? Um, who's going first? You going first or am I going first? Well, I think mine's going to be a little on the short side. Um, if you don't go mind. for it. For me, good sci-fi, you want to walk away still thinking about 
you just experienced. You want to play with the world in your mind and kind of imagine yourself living there. And in this case, I felt like, well, the movie felt kind of short. Um, I don't remember the running time off the top of my head, but it definitely moves by in a breeze. And overall, it didn't feel like it fulfilled its own promise. You know, they brought up a lot of questions, but didn't necessarily answer the philosophical questions that they brought up in the first place. So for me, I mean, it was a fun, you know, action adventure of sorts, but it felt very limited. It actually felt very much like an older style movie. Even though it was made in 2009, that same movie could have made, been made in 1990. Mm. So in many ways, it didn't really feel futuristic enough mm-hmm. for my taste. But the overall plot and the big picture elements were entertaining enough. I think I would give it a seven, a solid seven. You know, it wasn't exceptional, didn't excite me too much. I still said, hey, I didn't waste my time. I had a fun time. It was entertaining to see and experience this, but I still wanted a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. So for me, um, you know, Okay, so here, I, I think that technically it was done very nicely. It looked beautiful. I love the colors. Performances were great. Cast was great. Uh, running time, I think, is 97 minutes. So I, for me, it was like, thank God they didn't go for like the really heavy, long thing. Like, I'm glad that they kind of got to the punch and went on with it. But for me, that there was a, a too high of a uh, action quotient. And too little of a um, connecting with these characters in a real way. But for me, the big kicker was I just never got on board the premise. And so for that reason, I'm going a little low today. I'm going five and a half. Five and a half. So, you know, I love it. I love when we have a, a varying uh, opinions. It makes for a better show. So anyone else here seen it recently or not so recently and have a score that they would give. No, Remy's like, haven't seen it. Now I'm never going to watch it because <laughs> your average score is a six. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I, I thought I th- fun, fun uh, a little bit, but it kind of, it kind of pissed me off at some points. I was like, Oh no, like this doesn't make sense. I'm like, what, what's this? So uh, it was one of those movies that maybe I'll love to hate or something like that. But um, definitely <laughs> glad we covered it. And it has, you know, interesting that it, the, the, that it's about literally virtual self industry. So it's literally about virtual cells. If the, if you took this idea and you put it into the metaverse instead of a robot, I'm all on board and I would be totally for it. All right. Uh, that would be something I could totally relate to. Um, so it's, it was close, but no cigar for me. Close, but no cigar. Cool. Uh, oh, I definitely see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and these guys here look pretty, pretty crazy too. Um, uh, these guys were on the subway, the subway system, I guess, something like that. Um, all right, anyone else out there? No, no one wants to give her their last. Go once, go twice. Last call, last call for for wild score. No, all right. Um, well, then, uh, where can people get in touch with you, Futurosity? Um, yeah. Oh, please follow me on Instagram at Futurosity VR, and I like to just share what I'm interested in. That's connected to. The metaverse and more awesome Come follow me very cool well uh well thank you uh for uh for the the flicks and picks this is the first official although we've had some in the past that maybe i'll maybe i'll create a playlist on youtube and put in the past uh flicks and flicks even though they weren't official uh, because there have been some great ones and it's always fun to debate with you futurosity i love to get up here and talk and i i, I feel like it's better if we disagree sometimes so I, I love that we can have that um so anyways uh thank you everybody here as well remy and hack 
and Mojo and uh, killing it over there. Uh, thank you for teleporting into this worldcast of Simulation Nation. Whether you're with us in virtual reality, listening to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or watching Glorious Technicolor on YouTube. And remember to subscribe to our Instagram at the Simulation Nation. I started talking like a robot there for some reason. Uh, Twitter at SimNationVR and our Discord server. Then join us actually Saturday for a special morning edition as we talk to Swiss Crypto Cat about crypto in the metaverse. It's going to be bomb. Everyone's got to come check it out. Uh, we are also then going to go to his meetup uh, right after our event. And he has a crypto city that puts this one to shame. So everyone's got to come check that out as well. Until then, stay plugged, my friends.